One of the benefits of saying adhillah, adhillah is the plural of dhalil. Dhalil means almost like degraded, no power. A person who doesn't have the ability to do anything anyway. So he's saying that even if you do have power to do something, you should still be very humble as though you can't do anything. Not in a way of being lonely and mean and downtrodden, but in a dignified way that you're above that. It's an honorable form of letting go. See what I'm saying? It's a dignified form of letting it go because it's a waste of time or it's just going to, you, you have to be merciful. Our Allah is encouraging us to be merciful in general. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa sallama tasliman kathiran ila yawmiddin amma ba'd So covering some of the most important and prominent gems of the Quran uh, some of the jawahir al-Quran this is verse surah of surah al-Ma'idah Verse 54 to 56. أَذِلَّةٍ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَعِزَّةٍ عَلَى الْكَافِرِينَ يُجَاهِدُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَلَا يَخَافُونَ لَوْمَةَ لَائِمْ ذَلِكَ فَضْلُ اللَّهِ يُؤْتِيهِ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَاللَّهُ وَاسِعٌ عَلِيمٌ إِنَّمَا وَلِيُّكُمُ اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا الَّذِينَ يُقِيمُونَ الصَّلَاةَ وَيُؤْتُونَ الزَّكَاةَ وَهُمْ رَاكِعُونَ وَمَنْ يَتَوَلَّ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا فَإِنَّ حِزْبَ اللَّهِ هُمُ الْغَالِبُونَ Allahu Akbar. So Hassan Basri says that no, this actually, while well, it was revealed at the Prophet's time, but it was referring to the people who would reject the faith after him. Because after the Prophet passed away, then we had these huge amounts of people in different areas, and I'll mention them in a bit more detail, who went away from the faith. So this was a prophecy almost, saying that look, this verse is relevant for them, even though it's being revealed right now. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then just bring other people who love him and they love him and he loves them. So Hassan Basri rahimahullah says that this is referring to Wallahi Abu Bakr and his companions because they fought against these people and they quelled this rebellion. There's lots of other views but I'm just going to keep it short because we have a short amount of time. Now just to give you an idea of what happened at that time just so that it puts things in perspective that we've been through uh, upheavals, right? The upheavals of today are not new, right? They're just generically new things that keep coming up. But look at what happens. So after the Prophet well, actually during the Prophet's time, according to 
Zamakhshari in his Kashaf, he says that the, uh, we can actually enumerate all of the people at that particular time who went away from the faith into 13 factions, 13 groups, 13 tribes, 13 groups. Three, actually during the time of the Prophet and while he was still alive. And the rest after him. So the three during the Prophet's time, the first was the Banu Mudlij. That uh, might not really be helpful for anybody here. But their their, their leader was Dhul Himar. The guy with the donkey. Himar means donkey, so the guy with the donkey, right? The donkey guy. His actual name was Al Aswad al Anasi. He used to be on a donkey. So Al Aswad al Ansi. Now you may have heard of him. Al Aswad al Ansi. That's why his name Al Aswad. Right? Al-Ansi. Uh, he used to be a soothsayer. So he was into this kind of occult practices from before. He was a soothsayer. And then he claimed prophecy. He must have seen something in the glass ball or in the tea leaves or anyone of tea leaves, they say. But you know what I mean? A soothsayer. So he must have seen something and thought, I am the prophet. Right? So he claimed prophecy in Yemen. So he was from down south uh, in Yemen. And uh, he took over quite a bit of land. New ideas are always fresh, so people want to take them on first until they lose their luster. And they're like, man, I wasted my time in this, this sect or group or movement or whatever. You have to really be careful, right? After you've lived in the world, in the world where you've seen groups rise and fall, then you realize. But now I'm reflecting over, you know, when I used to see groups, they seem interesting, you know. Anyway, so what he did was that he had evicted the governors of the Prophet ﷺ from those areas in Yemen, okay? And uh, basically took over. So the Prophet ﷺ wrote to the governor, main governor of Yemen was Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu. This was towards the end of the Prophet's life as well. And some of the other leaders of Yemen, and basically Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had him destroyed uh, by a great uh, warrior, Fayruz al-Daylami. Fayruz al-Daylami was the one who finished this first impo uh, imposter off. Right. And the Prophet ﷺ was miraculously given a, a text message, right? Meaning, miraculously, he was told. So he, uh, the night that he was killed, Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam this was miles away, he told uh, everybody there in Medina Munawwara. And Muslimin became very, very happy because that, that was one of the first of those who had come up. So, you know, the one of the first to claim prophecy while the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is still alive. The second one, which was a tough one, right? The, the second one was the Banu Hanifa. Uh, nothing to do with the Hanifa. Hanafis or this the Banu Hanifa the tribe, right? Uh, they were the they were the tribe of Musaylama. You you probably heard of Musaylama, Al Kadhab. They refer to him as the liar, but his name was Musaylama. I mean, maybe that's why he's a small small Muslim, Muslim Musaylim, Musaylama. Not sure. Um, anyway, he got messed up somehow. He claimed prophecy. Uh, this guy was very bold, right? And like he thought he was onto something and used to try to perform miracles and so on. He wrote to the Prophet ﷺ saying, Min Musaylama ra Rasulillah. From Musaylama, the Messenger of Allah, ila Muhammad Rasulillah. Okay, he claims that he's Prophet as well. He's like, okay, you're a Prophet as well, I'm a Messenger as well. You're a Messenger. Amma ba'd, fa inna al arda niswaha li wa niswaha lak. Um, after all praises, uh, the, the, the earth is half for you and half for me. There's enough to go around. You take half, no problem, and I'll take half. Trying to get clever maybe that 
rather than claim it all, you know, maybe we'll ask for half at least and start with that. <coughs> the Prophet ﷺ wrote to him, right? Min Muhammad Rasulillah ila Musaylamat al-Kadhab From Muhammad the Messenger of Allah to Musaylamah the liar, the blatant liar. That's where probably the name comes from. Amma ba'd, after praises, فَإِنَّ الْأَرْضَ لِلَّهِ The earth is not for me and you, the earth is for Allah. يُورِثُهَا مَنْ يَشَاءُ مِنْ And he makes inheritors therein, whomever he wishes of his servants. وَالْعَاقِبَةُ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ Final consequence is for the righteous ones. He was a major, major thorn in the side. The, uh, Abu Bakr, now the Prophet passed away after that. He wasn't dealt with during that time. The Prophet passed away very soon after. In fact, the Prophet passed away very soon after Ansi was killed, the first one. Abu Bakr inherited this problem, big problem. And he sent Khalid bin Walid. And those guys were fighters to the last breath. They would quell so much of them and they would come back and they would come back. And it was a major, major uh, operation. Uh, but eventually he got killed at the hands of none other than Wahshi, the one who killed Hamzan, عن, who had now become Muslim. And the person told him that, you know, just be on the side. But he was part of this and he killed him. And he used to say that I kill the best of the people in Jahiliya times. Uh, that's uh, in my Jahiliya times, I killed the best of people. It was Hamza radiallahu an, And now I've killed the worst of people in Islam. I, after becoming Muslim, I've killed the worst. So, he compensated for his. Uh... That was the th second guy. The third person was, uh, again, who came up in time, but then the Prophet passed away, dealt with afterwards, is the Banu Asad. The, that was the tribe of Tulayha. Tulayha. You'll hear his name. Tulayha, binti, uh, Tulayha ibn Khuwaylid. Uh, the small Talha. Tulayha. The small Talha. Right. Uh, Ibn Khuwaylid, uh, it's a small Khalid. In Arabic, they do that, right? Humayra Hamra, right? We, we have these names. Humayr um, is from Amir, same kind of idea. So, La ilaha illallah. He created, he claimed prophethood. Um, the Prophet sent Khalid bin Walid against him, and he, after that, he uh, ran away to Sham. To Syria and mashallah he became Muslim so this was a good story he became Muslim and became a very good Muslim actually in this case right so those were the three who claimed prophecy in the time of the Prophet after that who came up after it then I'm just going to mention some of the names for you there's seven of them in Abu Bakr time and one in Umar and after that it just stopped I think they realized that this is not worth uh, it's not worth it. It's not going to work. Okay. So there's still people trying in the time of Abu Bakr. That's when most of them come out. So you have Fazara. The, the Fazara, which is the tribe of Uyayna ibn Hisn. Then you have the Ghatafan. Ghatafan were up north. Right. The Ghatafan were up north uh, beyond Medina Munawwara. Qurra ibn Salama al-Qushayri. They were his tribe. The Banu Sulaym. The, the people of uh, the, the, the tribe of Fuja'a ibn Abdi Yalil. Okay, I don't know what if these names mean anything to anybody here. Banu Yarbur, Malik ibn Nuwayra's tribe. So you'll usually hear about Malik ibn Nuwayra. All of this discussion, if you read Abu Bakr's history, uh, his uh, seerah, you, you'll find it all there. Then some of the Banu Tamim, not all the Banu Tamim. 
some of the Banu Tamim, okay? Uh, we have a famous Banu Tamim today, right? Uh, that are in power somewhere. So these were, this was the tribe of Sajah Bintil Mundir. This was a, a claimant, a prophetess, a claimant to be a female prophetess, a cl claimant, right? She thought, let me join in on the uh, on this and this trend as well. So she took part as well, and uh, she was quite. Looks like she was quite intelligent. She went and married herself to Musaylama. Let's do this together, right? You're the male one, and I'm the female one. So they did it together. Then there was the Kinda, the tribe of Ash'as ibn Qais, and the Banu Bakr ibn Wa'il in Bahrain, uh, the people, the, the tribe of Hatam ibn Zayd. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala quelled all of them at the hands of Abu Bakr Siddiq. So that was in the two years and four or five months of Abu Bakr radiallahu anh, they were all dealt with. Now imagine uh, there was absolute peace. You had these little issues at the end of the Prophet with these three imposters, right? But then Obakran came and then suddenly he's got all of these people. Then besides this, he's got people who don't want to pay zakat. It was a tough time, right? But mashallah, he succeeded. He showed his prowess and his firmness and he got it all sorted out for Umar radiallahu anh. So then there was one group that came up in the time of Umar radiallahu anh. That was the Ghassan, right? The Ghassan, the tribe of Jabala ibn al-Ayham. Jabala ibn al-Ayham. Now what happened is Jabala became a Muslim. Umar radiallahu anh, he became Muslim at the hands of Umar radiallahu anh. And so there's always some grievance somewhere. Sometimes there's a grievance that's an issue, like, and then there's selfishness that comes out of it. See, many groups, like many groups that you'll see, you'll see that a lot of it has to do with grievance somewhere. Some kind of grievance. Maybe an oppression from the other side or whatever it is. Or fairly or unfairly, right? So look at this now. One day he was doing tawaf. And he had some long garment on that was dangling behind him, right? Like a wedding dress, right? Uh, and some guy must have uh, stepped on it. And he got very angry. I mean, come on, man, you've got this big train. What do you expect? You know? So somebody must have stepped on it. So he got very angry and slapped him. That person went to Umar with a complaint, with a case against him. So Umar said, okay, fine, you can slap him back. Because that was it, you know, right, uh, an eye for an eye, a right uh, for a right. Unless he forgives you, he gave him that option. Unless he forgives you, then he, unless you forgive him, you can slap him back. So this guy, he doesn't want to be slapped. Like he's got his own pride and everything. So he's saying, I'll buy off the slap for a thousand. The guy goes, no. He kept on giving him more to try to expiate for it until he reached 10,000. That's a lot of money, you know, so that he won't be slapped. He goes, no, I just want to slap you. Sometimes that's what you want. You don't want the money. You just want the slap, right? So uh, um, now this guy, uh, this Jabada, Ibn al-Ayham, he said, just give me some time then. Fine, give me some time. He asked for a respite. Omar then said, fine, I'll give it a few days, whatever it is. The guy ran, escaped to the Romans, to the Roman who were in power at the time and became Murtad, just for a slap. 
Why, would, why do you think you would do that? Just think of the reasonings here. I think it's very important for us to understand what do you think had led him to do something like that? Uh, arrogance definitely seems seemingly, right? Definitely. Ego, arrogance, pride, all of that, the same thing, right? The other thing is, if he knew the value, he became Muslim. A lot of people become Muslim sometimes, but they don't know the value. They're, they're born Muslim, but they don't know the value. Nobody's explained it to them. Not, like, you have something so valuable. They probably don't even know about the hadith of La ilaha illallah being more powerful on the scale in the hereafter that they can just totally get, you know, overwhelm everything else. They probably don't even know that. Like genuinely, that hadith, we may know because it's in Fadail Amal, I think, and everybody talks about it, but there's a lot of people who don't read Fadail Amal or know that hadith for that matter. So when you don't know the value, then you can easily, fall, uh, you can easily lose what you have. If you've got a product and you don't know the value, somebody can snatch it away from you or con you into selling because you don't think it's a good bike, for example. Like you got it from somewhere that you don't know it's a great bike with special gears and special this and special that. Right? I don't know why I'm talking about bikes here. Right? Maybe Mahbub Bai is here. I don't know. Um, but and you just set it up because like, oh, big deal. But when you know the value of something, then you're going to give it that value, right? That's why it's very important. Ilm, 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 coming to the light and the life of ilm away from the darkness and death of ignorance this is why people are here and there it's ignorance it's ignorance it's ignorance nothing else it's ignorance you have to understand the quran and the sunnah of the prophet you have to understand the wisdom of the sharia okay then so after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala declares that part that look if you're going to do this Allah will bring back some people not going to make any difference to you then after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, describing the real people of Allah, those people who believe they are most intense in their love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I don't want to repeat this because I've already done a uh, reflection on this just a few days ago, right? Um, and you, you can go and listen to that. It's very, very profound. It'll take me, you know, I could take, take an hour on that subject. Basically, Allah is saying that the real people who believe they are most intense in their love for Allah, more than anything else, more than anything else, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in description of the real believers is Very humble, very humble in front of believers and with believers, but very, uh, very, very bold uh, in front of disbelievers. Uh, similar to another verse in Surah Al-Fatih, which you probably have read before, severe uh, against the disbelievers, very merciful between them. Um, one of the benefits of saying adhilla, adhilla is the plural of dhalil. Dhalil means almost like degraded, no power. A person who doesn't have the ability to do anything anyway. So he's saying that even if you do have power to do something, you should still be very humble as though you can't do anything. Not in a way of being lowly and mean and downtrodden, but in a dignified way that you're above that. It's an honorable form of letting go. See what I'm saying? It's a dignified form of letting it go because it's a waste of time or it's just going to, you, you have to be merciful. Our Allah is encouraging us to be merciful in general. 
And Aizatin al-Kafirin could be multiple things. One of the meanings that we can understand here is that we need to, anything that anybody brings against Islam to show its weakness or uh, criticism and, and so on, we need to be very clear in responding to it. That's one of the really important things that we have to learn from this verse, that we have to be very clear. We can't not do anything because otherwise the deen is going to be destroyed. You can't survive as a faith. You can't survive as a group of people here. Alhamdulillah, people are doing, we have da'is and doing, but everybody needs, like at your workplace, if somebody, you know, has, can, a lot of people are innocent people, they've just been misled by media and other things like that. At the end of the day, we need to give them the right thing. I mean, there, you're not, the idea is there, you don't like uh, go and start fighting with people like that. Come on. You know, that's not what it means here. So, uh, this could be um, the approach that you have in terms of making sure you set the account right to the best of your ability in this case, right? And in whatever context that it uh, that that is required. And then Allah says, "Yujahiduna fi sabilillah to assist the deen. They will uh, do jihad in the path of Allah in the multiple ways, whether it means fighting, if that is uh, what is called for in the specific context." Uh, and otherwise, fighting with words, fighting with uh, clarifications, and uh, whatever else is required. And in that case, when you are doing your da'wah, right, uh, making your efforts, your your exertion in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, la yakhafuna lawmatala'im. You are not going to be concerned about a criticism. Because your ulterior motive, and you know that shaitan is going to cause problems, you know that there's going to be shayateen, and there's going to be detractors who are trying to come in your way, to distract you, to get you occupied with stuff, carry on with your work, because otherwise it's going to be a waste of time. You're going to waste a lot of time and you're going to get occupied from your main objective of benefiting more people. La ilaha illallah. Because your purpose of doing this is not for yourself, it's actually for the sake of Allah. So that's why you don't... If, as long as you're doing it correctly, a lot of people, they act a bit severe and messed up and extreme, right? We've had, we've had a recent, unfortunate, bad history with, with such people who think they're on the right track and they go in really hard and they actually give Islam a bad name. There has to be... And they would probably take it from the literal meaning of this and just misunderstand it. Whereas they, don't, they won't look at the way the Prophet ﷺ dealt with it. The Prophet ﷺ didn't deal with it like that. When... Intensity was required, he used it. But otherwise, the Prophet also was compassionate. So keep that in mind, right? Don't let this be misused. And Allah finished the other Wallahu wasi'un alim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is extensive. That wasi', you see, the two characteristics used here are very relevant. They're not just randomly used here. Wasi' and alim. Wasi' means extensive in his scope. That refers to his absolute ability. He's got control. An ability over whatever he wants has got extensive control. So that's Qudra. And the second one says Alim, absolutely knowledgeable of everything, the omniscient one. These after Hayat and life, the two fundamental characteristics are knowledge and power. Because without knowledge and power, everything else doesn't matter. All of, every other characteristic is based on knowledge and power. And the, both of those are based on life. And Allah is the living one, Hay. But then he has ultimate power and ultimate knowledge. So, 
what, how is this relevant to what Allah just said? Where He said, well, I know what's going to come. Right? I know what's going to come and I know the power that I'm going to give people as well. Of those people who will reject them and people who will uh, put them down. Right? These things obviously take longer. These obviously take long. So, there you go. So, then finally, the last verses are uh, just to set the point and uh, just, the, just to uh, kind of conclude it, you can say, Allah says, إِنَّمَا وَلِيُّكُمُ اللَّهِ Your ally is Allah and His Messenger and the people who believe, who establish the prayer, who give zakat and who are prostrating. So they are active in this regard. So what's important to understand here is that where there is somebody who is in some trouble, or has been attacked, then you need to show them that you're their ally. That's very, very important. You have to show them you're there because people are human beings. If they get criticized, they get accused of something, they run into some trouble, then as a human being, you just feel like the world is against you. We're social beings. We thrive on one another. We get comforted by one another. So it's very important to offer support to others who may be facing some criticism or otherwise. It's very, very helpful as human beings, in any case, in any situation, just to give them and bolster them a bit. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq to truly represent this, to truly become these kind of believers. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from excesses. May Allah protect us from shortcomings. May Allah give us the moderation and the perfection and the kamal. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us the true believers. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث قل اللهم مالك الملك تؤتي الملك من تشاء وتنزع الملك ممن تشاء وتعز من تشاء وتذل من تشاء بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين يا الله this is a month that you have designed for forgiveness that you have designed for mercy that you have designed for your generosity O oh Allah, to express all of these things, O oh Allah, we ask that you grant us a good share of this, that you forgive us, that you have mercy on us. O oh Allah, we ask you for your kindness and your generosity and your benevolence. O oh Allah, bless us during this month. Drench us with your mercy during this month. O oh Allah, we ask you for protection from all the wrongs out there. O oh Allah, from the evil of our own selves. O oh Allah, the evil of our ignorance. O oh Allah, take us out of the darkness of our ignorance to the life of uh, the life of knowledge, the life of illumination, the life of your love. O oh Allah, grant us your love and the love of those whose love will benefit us with you. Make our surrounding people, make our surrounding people and our surrounding circumstances conducive for your faith. O oh Allah, grant us a love for your obedience and a hatred for your disobedience so that will just make it easy for us. O oh Allah, we wake up in the morning and we start Ramadan and we have great hopes and ambitions and ideas. And then after that, we we lose. Oh Allah, we become weak. We fail. Oh Allah, we get distracted. Oh Allah, protect, protect us from distraction, from losing. Oh Allah, grant us success in our endeavors. Oh Allah, we are sitting here today on this day. Oh Allah, bless us. Oh Allah, write us in these nights to be freed from hellfire. Oh Allah, these are blessed days and blessed nights. Oh Allah, we're fasting for you. Accept our fast. We're praying. Oh Allah, accept 
you're the one who gave us the ability, otherwise we could not have done so. O oh Allah, grant us that ability. O oh Allah, allow us to work in the right way according to the verse that we have just recited. O oh Allah, make us truly of those people who love you. And O oh Allah, who are most ardent in their love for you. O oh Allah, let, us, let it be no less. O oh Allah, remove from us all of our wrongs. Our, forgive us all of our mistakes. O oh Allah, we don't want them to haunt us on the day of judgment. So oh Allah, forgive us our lifelong sins, especially those that we have forgotten about. O oh Allah, that we may never make tawbah for. O oh Allah, you know every one of them. You keep track of everything. O oh Allah, we ask that you protect us from these things in the future. That you protect us from sins and you forgive us sins that bring darknesses in our life and take away the barakah and blessing from our lives that make us feel discontented, that make us feel bewildered, that make us lose trust, that make us feel estranged. O oh Allah, grant us contentment, grant us tawakkul, grant us satisfaction, grant us firmness. O oh Allah, grant us happiness, grant us sweetness. O oh Allah, grant us sweetness. O oh Allah, we ask that you assist our brothers and sisters around the world who are being oppressed and who are subjugated. Remove that subjugation, remove that difficulty, remove the problems and the desperation that they have. And O oh Allah, we ask that you grant us glory, you grant us understanding, you grant us education, you grant us the ability to be true representatives and you allow us to share the beauty. You allow us to be guides, O oh Allah, that you accept us for the service of your deen. O oh Allah, this month of Ramadan is marching away. O oh Allah, so many days have passed and it only feels like a few moments. O oh Allah, don't let the rest of it pass without with us wasting our time and not taking benefit from it. O oh Allah, give us the tawfiq and O oh Allah, give us the ability to benefit from this month and make it the best month that we have ever experienced before. And O oh Allah, make us closer to you than we've ever been before and keep us close thereafter. O oh Allah, bless all of those who establish these masajid and allow our masjid projects to be completed. And O oh Allah, for them to, uh, and our institutions and everything, that all the good that people are doing, O oh Allah, accept them all and protect them and allow us to rise to the challenges and deal with them efficiently and easily. O oh Allah, facilitate for us. O oh Allah, facilitate for us. Grant us the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and send your abundant blessings on him. Subhana rabbika. رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين. The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam, and to understand all the subjects of Islam at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our Deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam, and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.